Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, August 25th, 2019, on the basis of Luke 12, verses 49 through 53. I'm sure you have heard someone say that religion causes division. Whenever someone says something like that, they might have in mind some of the conflict and bloodshed that have been carried out in our world in the name of religion over the years. In fact, some people would say that conflict and bloodshed are really inevitable results of religious beliefs. There's an author by the name of Sam Harris who put it this way. He said, if you give people divergent, irreconcilable, and untestable notions about what happens after death and then oblige them to live together with limited resources, the result is what we see an unending cycle of murder and ceasefire. Add weapons of mass destruction to this diabolical clockwork and you have a recipe for the fall of civilization. I know those sound like harsh words, but believe it or not, when someone says that religion causes division, they're right. In fact, do you know who the first person probably was to ever make that observation? It was Jesus. And not only does religion cause division in general, but as we're going to see today, Christianity probably causes more division than any religion on earth. And so when it comes to this question of religion and division, the question isn't so much if that's the case, rather it's the question of how that's the case. What kind of division does religion cause in our world? Is it the kind that Sam Harris was talking about, that people of opposite religious beliefs will inevitably be hell-bent on murdering one another? Maybe more importantly would be the question of how does the division that Christianity causes impact my life on a day-to-day basis? See, I'm guessing that no matter what you heard in church today, you weren't going to immediately go home and start some sort of holy war against a group of non-Christians in some other part of the world. But the reality is that the division caused by Christianity does affect and will impact each and every one of us in much more personal and, in many cases, painful ways. And Jesus wants us to be aware of that fact. Jesus wants us to be prepared for that fact. See, when someone says that religion causes division, that isn't somehow the end of the discussion. Really, it's only the beginning. Because as we look at these verses today, we're going to see that when it comes to religion and division, the question isn't so much if, the question is how. So Jesus says what appears to be very startling words. He says, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. Those words seem surprising coming from the mouth of our Savior Jesus, but really they shouldn't be any surprise at all. See, what Jesus says here is not just true of Christianity. It's not even just true of religion in general. It's true anytime someone says something that is not just their opinion, not just their own personal idea, but anytime someone is making a claim about the truth of reality, that claim is inevitably going to cause division. Take this very simple example. The earth is round. That's a claim on the reality of things. And believe it or not, even with a claim as simple and self-evident as that, that claim divides people. There still are flat earthers walking around in our world today, believe it or not. As you might imagine, this can get really controversial, controversial really quickly. Take this statement as an example. 
America is racist. Not just that some Americans are or have been racist, but the very principles on which our country was founded and which it stands for are themselves racist. How about this statement? Love is love. That any two people, or maybe even more than two people for that matter, as long as those people make each other happy, they should be able to love and should be able to live out that love in whatever way they see fit. Or how about the statement, the climate is changing. Not only is the earth warming up, but the reason it's warming up is because of us, and if we don't immediately and drastically change something about how we live, then very, very soon the damage is going to be irreversible. Each one of those three are claims about the reality of things. And really the point is not which of them are right and which of them are wrong. The point is that because each one is making a claim about reality, each one is destined to divide. So is that also the case with religion? Well, not in everyone's mind, believe it or not. Recently, I came across a very interesting story about a man named Dan Stevenson who lives out in Oakland, California. Dan Stevenson was getting sick and tired of people piling up garbage on the street just outside the house where he lived. No matter how many times he called the city to complain, it didn't make a difference. And so finally, Dan Stevenson decided to buy a statue of Buddha and set it up just outside of his house in the very place where people like to pile their garbage, hoping that that would deter him. That's not the interesting part of the story, nor is it that it actually worked. It had its intended effect. The interesting part is what Dan Stevenson said when he was asked by reporters, why did you pick Buddha? He said this, he's neutral. Someone like Christ could be considered controversial, but I figured the Buddha was not likely to be a source of contention. You see, for a lot of people, religion is like this. Religion is nothing more than good ideas, good opinions, and good advice. Here are some things that can help you cope with life. Here are some tips for how you can treat other people better. And if that's all that religion is, then religion very much can stay neutral because you can take it or leave it. If those ideas and those opinions work for you, great. If they don't, that's fine too. And that's not just true of Buddhism, that's true with people for a lot of different religions. And in fact, for some people, it's even true of Christianity. But Jesus would have us know otherwise. Jesus would have us know that he came into this world to make a claim about the reality of things. And because he did, he inevitably will cause division. So again, the question is not so much if, but how. And thankfully, in these verses, Jesus doesn't just tell us that he's going to cause division. He tells us how. He says, I have a baptism to undergo. And what constraint I am under until it is completed. You can maybe figure out that when Jesus uses the word baptism in those verses, he's not using it the way that we normally think of. He's not talking about the sacrament of baptism for Jesus. That was already a thing of the past that had happened for him. He's talking about something that's going to happen in the future. Jesus is saying that there was going to be a flood. There was going to be this outpouring of all of God's wrath and all of God's punishment against all human sin. And that entire flood, that entire outpouring of God's wrath against sin was going to fall directly on Jesus so that it wouldn't fall on us. We might think of it this way, that because we are sinful, and because God is holy, we are destined to be separated from God. 
that God's wrath and his punishment against sin are like a strong and powerful current in a river that if we were left to ourselves would just sweep us away toward destruction and away from God forever. But God sent Jesus to stand right in the middle of that river and to take on himself its full force, to take all of the wrath and all of the punishment that our sin deserved on himself. And because that's why Jesus came, Jesus is making a claim about reality. He is saying that there is just one and only way for a person to be saved, that on your own you cannot possibly withstand that current. But if you cling to Jesus, if you grab onto Jesus, if you hold on to Jesus for dear life, if you seek shelter behind Jesus as he stands there and absorbs all of God's wrath, then you will be safe. This is how Christianity divides. Jesus divides us from the punishment that we deserve. Now, if that's the case, that can help us evaluate the claims of people like Sam Harris, who would say that religion is destined to cause war and bloodshed. Yes, Christianity very much divides the entire world into two groups of people, people who are clinging to Jesus for their salvation and people who are not. And yet, as you look around and as you see people, as we inevitably all do, who are still being swept away by that current of God's wrath and punishment, maybe they know full well the predicament that they're in and they're trying to grab onto something for dear life, but the thing that they're holding onto is not going to do the trick. Maybe as they're being swept away, they're under the delusion that this is just a nice, relaxing ride on a lazy river. And they think you're the foolish one for not sitting back and relaxing and enjoying it while you can. In either case, that current is going to sweep them away. As you think about those people, as you think about your attitude toward those people and your treatment of those people, you know full well that the punishment that they are currently destined for is the punishment that you deserve. You know full well that you can't possibly take any credit for the fact that you are clinging on to Jesus and are going to be saved. You know full well that Jesus would love to save each and every one of those people just as much as he delights to save you. So friends, if someone uses their Christian faith as a reason for hostility or animosity toward other people, they clearly don't understand the nature of the reality that they are in. Yes, Jesus very much divides, but Jesus doesn't divide us from people that we're somehow better than or who are inferior to us. Jesus divides us from the punishment that we deserve. And that's good to know. That's important to know. If for no other reason, then it helps us kind of think through and answer the Sam Harris's of the world who would maybe suggest otherwise. But again, as I said before, I'm guessing that even if I didn't tell you that, you weren't going to go home today and start some sort of holy war against people who are not Christians. And the reality is, is that in these verses, as Jesus talks about the division that he came to bring, he's talking about something that strikes much closer to home. He's not talking about a division between us and a bunch of nameless faceless people who live in some other part of the world. He's talking about a division between us and things and people that we love very dearly. You heard Jesus talk about how he came to bring division between fathers and sons and between mothers and daughters. 
as we continue in this series, we'll talk about some of the other things that Jesus divides us from. He divides us from money and possessions in some cases. He divides us from comfort and popularity in other cases. Why? Well, see, if Jesus really did come to make a claim about reality, if he really did come to say that there's just one and only way to be saved, and that's to cling to him, to hold on to him, then our grip as we hold on to Jesus better be and better stay strong. And Jesus knows that better than anyone. Which means that he is willing to pry from our fingers, no matter how much it takes, whatever it is that might loosen or might weaken that grip. That's the second way in which Jesus causes division. He divides us from whatever it is that might divide us from him. After the service today, we're going to be talking a little bit about some specific examples of opportunities coming up here at Good News for Christian education. Really, under that umbrella of Christian education, we could list list anything that God uses to keep our grip, to keep our faith in Jesus strong weekly worship here on Sunday mornings, Bible class that comes before it, Sunday school for the kids. This year we're starting a teen Bible class as well. Good news groups, small group Bible study opportunities throughout the week, staying in God's word, not just as part of a church, but as as an individual and as part of your family. All of those are things that keep your grip on Jesus strong. And friends, rest assured, all of them are going to cause division in your life. If you're going to be in church, not just every once in a while, not just when it's convenient or there happens to be nothing else going on, but as a rule rather than an exception, it might divide you from a round of golf. It might divide you from a soccer game. This fall, it might divide you from the first 15 minutes of the Packer game. It might divide you from the husband or the wife that you leave at home. Yes, on the one day of the week when you're both not working. If you're going to come to Bible class or bring the kids to Sunday school, in addition to that. Teens, if you're going to come to teen Bible class, it's going to divide even more. It's going to divide you perhaps from some much-needed rest. It's going to divide you perhaps from the fun thing that's going on late the night before. It's going to divide you from staying up past midnight playing video games or hanging out with friends, for example. If you're going to be in God's Word as an individual and as a family in your home throughout the week, it's going to divide you perhaps from some activity that you want to take part in. It's going to divide you maybe from one more episode of that favorite show on Netflix that you like to binge watch. Seventh and eighth graders will tell you right away that if they're going to be in confirmation class each and every Wednesday, it's going to divide them from some practice time. And none of that is to say that any of those things is wrong. But Jesus makes a claim about reality. And that claim is that the one and only way to be saved is to cling to him in faith, which means that he wants us to be ready and willing to let go of whatever might weaken or loosen that grip. Jesus divides us from whatever might divide us from him. And because that division is often so difficult and painful, I think that's the reason why so often we like to dodge it to maybe think that we can be the exceptions to the rule, that we can somehow have our cake and eat it too, that we can hang on to Jesus for dear life and also hang on to all of that other stuff that we love so much as well. This week I came across a a very sobering article 
online. It was an article that essentially was about how each and every parent, whether they realize it or not, chooses a religion for their children. And it wasn't so much that we choose a religion in terms of the things that we say, but rather in terms of the things that we do. That with every decision that we make, everything that we say yes to, everything that we say no to, we are choosing a religion, not in in the sense of our stated outward beliefs or the things that we come to a church to hear about, but in terms of the vision of a good life that we are painting for our kids. What is a life worth pursuing? What is truly important? What is truly essential? What do we truly want to hang on to? And what are we okay with letting go of? Like I said, it was a, a sobering article. I know what I say to my kids about what a good life consists of. I shudder to think at what I sometimes show them. I'm sure we can all think of examples where we've tried to dodge the division that Jesus talks about in these verses, where we've tried to hang on to Jesus but still hang on to everything else too. That's why that claim on reality that Jesus makes is so vitally important. Jesus says that he's got a baptism to undergo and he is under constraint until that baptism is fully completed. Jesus came to absorb each and every drop of God's wrath against sin, even that wrath that we deserve for trying to dodge the division that Jesus came to bring. That's Jesus' claim. But is it just a claim? As you might imagine, one of the issues that people like Sam Harris have with religion is that all kinds of religions can make all kinds of claims, but none of them are backed up with evidence. I don't know if you noticed the key word in his quote, give people divergent, irreconcilable, and untestable notions about what happens after death. So Jesus came to make the claim that all of God's wrath has been poured out on him, that if we cling to Jesus, we will be saved. But is that just a claim? Well, Jesus never intended that we would simply believe him by blind faith. Instead, he really entrusted the final verdict about his claim to his Father in heaven. And in fact, he connected it to one specific event. He connected it to his resurrection from the dead that that would be the thing that settled once and for all the claim that Jesus made. That Jesus said he would not stop until this baptism he would undergo would be completely finished. And in fact, from the cross, almost the very last thing that he said was just that, it is finished. And then three days later, when he rose from the dead, his Father in heaven said exactly the same thing. It is finished. All of God's wrath has been paid for and taken care of for you. Sam Harris would like to say that these claims are untestable. Really, Christianity makes the most testable claim in the history of the world. It is connected to a real, observable, historical event that either did or did not happen. And rest assured, it's been tested and examined and scrutinized maybe more than any other claim ever made, and it has stood up to that test. Compare that to other religious claims. Again, not religious in the sense that you would come to church to hear about them or read about them in a holy book, but religious in the sense that they paint for you that vision of a good life. How about these claims? Money will make you happy. Hard work will pay off. A great degree will land you a great job. Hours and hours of practice time will land you a spot in the starting lineup. Do those claims hold up? Do they pan out? Do they prove themselves to be true? Maybe some of the time, maybe even most of the time. 
But Jesus' claim never fails. Yes, his claim will cause division. It will cause you and force you to give things up. But rest assured, Jesus' claim will never fail. Even when Jesus' claim causes division in your life and forces you to give things up, to let go of certain things, remember that precious treasure that you are holding on to. And rest assured, it will never disappoint. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.